Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. This podcast is part of the How We Are Network. For information on this episode and many other like-minded shows, visit howweare.org. That's H-O-W-W-E-A-R-E dot O-R-G. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins, and something's different, right? Huh, maybe some of those of you that have been listening to the show were getting a little uh, tired of that, that theme music. But no, I change it up, because I figured it's episode 100, let's just do something. I've asked for some suggestions. I got, uh, I don't know, it was like 20 or 30 songs people kind of sent my way and suggested stuff and whatever, and I landed on Refused, Rather Be Dead. I just, I mean, the song's great. It gets you in the right state of mind to just be pumped. Like, yeah, man, this is exciting. I can't wait to listen to this interview with this person. So, yeah, I changed the music. So, shout out to Balance and Composure. Thank you for letting me use your song. And, uh, yeah, refused. Here we are. This is what it'll be for the foreseeable future. Anyways, the guest this week is Jordan Dreyer from La Dispute. He is the vocalist for the much-beloved band... I personally love them. They just came out with a new record called Rooms of the House, and whew, it's it's a doozy, man. It is a really good record. Definitely just progressing on everything they have done, and just, ah, I don't know, it's really, really good, but you should check it out. Anyways, let's get some business out of the way. I'm going to make a big deal out of episode 104. Just pay attention to that. It will be an awesome guest, and I'm announcing something pretty cool. 
I'm very excited about. So we we will we'll lead up to that. It's a lot of teasing over the next few weeks. Anyways, propertyzac.com, visit them. They got some fun stuff, as always, on the site. Become educated. 100wordspodcast.com. Go on iTunes, review the show, drop some stars, write some sentences about it. I still check that very regularly, and I love to see that sort of feedback. Makes the show look cooler to advertisers and everything else in between. And email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com, if you would like to talk, because I like to talk, obviously. That's why I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> Anyways, some stuff, some other stuff. College basketball, March Madness, that's happening right now. I love this time of the year. It's so much fun for me. I care about two sports, basketball and golf. Sorry for those of you that like football, hockey, baseball. I don't dislike those sports, and they are fun to watch in a live environment. But basketball and golf, that's what I follow. And so this year's or this time of the year is amazing because it's got college basketball followed up by the Masters, which is golf, for those of you that don't pay attention at all, which is most of America. Then it's followed up by the NBA playoffs. Oh, so much fun. So it's like I get to enjoy about, you know, two and a half months of just like awesome tension in regards to sports. And then the rest of the year, I'm kind of like, oh, well, whatever. Anyways, I've been noticing, and this is something that is not new within the independent music scene and culture, so to speak. But um, the sentiment that is shared when, you know, bands get up on stage and they play and they say, Fuck security. They're the worst people ever. Whatever. Some sentiment in regards to security is the worst thing of all time. Now, this is going to sound like a very parent-like rant, but I personally have always adhered to this philosophy, even since I was like, you know, 17, 18 years old. Now, to be fair, I'm going to put a caveat on this. I completely agree with the alpha male tendencies of some security guards that are located in clubs. Cause you know, sometimes it's just a matter of like, it's a job to them. And so when they see someone quote unquote acting out, they're going to do their thing and whatever it, it it's awful when those boundaries get crossed and they just feel like they need to, I don't know, take out their frustrations on a poor kid that's stage diving or crowd surfing or whatever. Clearly there's a line that is drawn and I'm not speaking to that line. I am speaking to the overall sentiment that just, to me, it's an ignorant statement, like fuck security. When realistically, a band is playing at a venue. Like, I'm not talking about a VFW hall. I'm not talking about a basement show. Clearly, security is not needed for that. Or clearly, most all-ages, almost small all-ages venues around the country don't have security as far as, like, stopping kids stage diving and stuff like that. But there's that mentality of just, like, you immediately rally against that. When in actuality, that is the reason that the club or the venue is in business is because they have security. It's mandated. It's not something that people are like, oh, wow, that's great. We need to have 40 security guards here. Like I'm speaking from personal experience. In the few years that I booked the Sound and Fury Music Festival up in Santa Barbara, we always had to have security. We Not only did we have uniform security, but we had police officers. We had un marked security officers like people who were policing the grounds for us and it's one of those things where it was that is literally the most expensive thing it took from us for the festival to put on it's so much money and that mentality of just like oh fuck those guys like they're they're, they're trying to you know stop our fun they're trying to that usually isn't the case and i just i hate that sort of knee-jerk reaction where it's like oh i see security guard i don't trust them i like i said i do understand the security guards that cross over the line and people 
get a negative impression based off those experiences. I totally get that. I understand and I agree. I just don't – I think it's a blanket statement. It's And blanket statements are just so frustrating to me because there's so many nuances around it. And so when bands go on stage and they're like, fuck security, kill them or something like that, it just – it's a bummer. It's a big bummer. And I understand it provokes an immediate reaction. The crowd's like, yeah, this is great and whatever. And if – if your goal is to provoke that reaction, then so be it. I, that's your art. I'm not going to step in the way of that. But when it gets in the way of people actually respecting those who are actually just doing a job, they're just there. They're hired. It's like they don't care if you're, you know, doing something stupid on stage. If you're, you know, spitting or they don't care. Most of the time, the good security guards are. I'll put it that way. So, anyways, it's just something I've noticed recently and not even so much like by specific events but just you know videos i've seen of bands playing on festivals or whatever and not even talking about like south by southwest or anything big like that just smaller festivals and i'm just like oh that's your immediate reaction like fuck security like break down the barriers it's like okay whatever and i realize i may be viewing a video out of context because there may have been certain incidents that day anyways i'm going on and on i apologize but it just it, it bothers me and I, if you feel bothered by that as well talk to me so Jordan from La Dispute, I mean, it was a few weeks before they released their new record, like I said, Rooms of the House. I've only spoken to him a few times in person, and it was one of those things where we just settled in immediately to a very, very comfortable place where he expressed himself in ways that um, I honestly wasn't anticipating. I was expecting him not to be cagey, but just to be protective in some capacities. Um, because, you know, he himself is a private man as far as social networking is concerned. He doesn't put himself out there. I mean, the band in general doesn't put themselves out there. And so I just, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how much he would want to reveal or talk about or anything like that. But let me tell you, he expressed a lot and it was awesome. It was a very genuine conversation. And I was really glad that he decided to do all this stuff with me because it makes the 100th episode very special. So here we go. Here's my interview with Jordan. And I will talk to you after the show. Are you in a wind tunnel? You're sorry, you're a little windy. Uh, I'm outdoors in the state of Michigan in the middle of our early February, so I'm sort of in a wind tunnel. I'll try to avoid it. I'll try to burrow myself up against this giant snowbank in the parking lot. <laughs> it's okay. I was just curious. Um, so the hearing hearing you guys' first full length, like not Vancouver, because I'm sure that's you guys don't even refer that as a release, probably. <laughs> No, I mean, it's a thing. It's a snapshot of an earlier time. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so it's yeah, not... Typically, we say somewhere is the first LP, yeah. Right, exactly. Um, so I remember hearing it. Uh, it. It was introduced to me via a friend of mine, and he was like, oh, you know, this this band I saw... Because I think it was one of the first times you guys came to California. I didn't see you guys, but my friend did. And uh, I listened to it, and my immediate sort of uh, old guy jaded reaction was like, Oh, this is a band that's kind of trying to rip off uh, me without you. Oh, I see what they're going for, and so, and so that, anyways, my. But then I progressed to be like, oh no, there's 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 more nuance to this. There's you know there's there's layers to it. Um, and any band that immediately not you know doesn't try to sound like um you know what's happening currently in the musical landscape is always interesting. Um, sure. 
but then uh but yeah but the, and so then as i got to know the band more and more i was like okay this is you know this is a force to be reckoned with but did you did you guys feel those trappings when you first started to get out there of people being like oh like immediately writing you off just because of um you know either the, the, like any preconceived notions or uh, from from that capacity or did you guys just like well yeah. we're just kind of trying to prove ourselves um you know early on there was a I guess a fair, fair bit of that. Um, as much as we try to not take that into consideration too much. Um, but, um, I think it's fairly impossible to avoid given the vocal approach, um, which was never intentional on my part. It was more so, uh, an accident. I have, little i have uh no recognizable musical talent at least in regards to playing an instrument or actually carrying a tune so um when we first started writing music it was what happened when i walked and spoke into a microphone for the first time in my life really um but yeah i think just just having that kind of like spoken word vocal approach draws immediate comparisons to to other acts whereas like a guitar style probably doesn't as much immediately draw you to uh, comparison mm-hmm. but i i don't think that we've ever oh clearly we've never um we've never tried to sound like anything and it was most frustrating frustrating for me early on because i thought it i felt very dismissive and and unfair in particular to my bandmates because i don't think musically we sound like any of the acts that we generally get compared to it's just more of a local comparison so yeah, yeah it was definitely definitely there and there's there's always you know there's there's always preconceived perceptions that people carry about anything and everything, particularly when it's so easy to form and, and publicize an opinion or the internet. So that's pretty easy to ignore if you're passionate about what you do and you care deeply about it. So it, it was there and I think it's still probably there, but I think we all just are focused on what we do because we love to do it. Yeah. yeah. Just keep, keep, keep your head down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, uh, so you yourself, were you born and raised in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area or where did you come up? I'm born, born and raised here. Yeah. So this, oh. is, this is home sweet home and has been since the, the day I came out of my dear mother's womb. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, so I presume that your, uh, you know, the profession that your family has was rooted to the location or was it just like, no, we just, we, we like where we're at. You know, it's, I, I think it's mostly just, well, we have, my parents own a small business with actually our, our drummer Brad is my cousin. So his his mom and dad and my mom and uh, mom and dad own a like a local hardware store. Um and our grandparents owned it before. So we've always kind of been in West Michigan. We're both very uh Dutch and Grand Rapids is a, a Dutch stronghold. So Right. Um we've just kinda always always been here and happy happy to still be here. I love it. It's funny because that the way that you're describing that it sounds like such a relic from the past of like uh, a fa- well yeah we own a family small business and you know obviously everybody immediately assumes that um oh it's like you know either you know doing something online or uh, something from that perspective but right. you know passing it down from sort of generation to generation sounds awesome yeah it's it's great it's fantastic it's uh, I've been very privileged I think to grow up where I've grown up and the family that I have and even being a part of a, a local small business is 
think had a pretty profound impact on my worldview. And it makes I feel like when I'm talking about like I'm from the Midwest and I'm talking to somebody on the coast, it makes me sound like other than like we'll be gone. But yeah. it's not not it's not so much a, the small slow Midwestern life, but it's definitely not living in a massive metropolitan area. So you yeah. get the whipping snow and the wind tunnel. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's, it, yeah, I, the, the way that I always used to describe it and I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't mean this as a derogative statement, but just like, it's very charming. Cause like my, my, my stepfather, he was raised in a small town called Farmington, Illinois, which is like, I don't know about, sure. our, yeah, it's about our South of Peoria. And so I visited there a lot and having that experience of like living in Southern California and then going to visit a small town and spending, you know, weeks at a time out there. I loved it because it gave me that whole experience of being like, not looking at this being like, oh, this, look, look at these, you know, backwoods people who live with like, you know, 4,000 other people in this small ass town. How boring. It's like, no, it was, it was fun. It was just different. Yeah, absolutely. The, the word that I always get thrown, I mean, charming is one, but quaint and, and the like, but no, it does it definitely. It's um, every, every region of the country has its own distinct characteristics in regards to not just, you know, the weather and the geography, but the, the people who live here. Um, and yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely different. It's definitely at times, you know, like still a bit stifled and, and passive aggressive, but, uh, yeah. we live in like kind of a cool pocket where you get the best of both worlds where there's kind of that like traditional value structure where it's not oppressive people are very open-minded and there's a, a massive you know artistic community here so it's really it's i love i love the midwest i love having grown up here obviously i love being on a coast or being down south i love experiencing the differences everywhere you go but i definitely value the way in which i was raised and, and the people that i know here yeah it's 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 home for you it's perfect Absolutely, yeah, for sure. So, because uh, because of the hardware store connection, are you are you yourself handy in any capacity? You know, I I like to think that I'm probably more handy than I am. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I, I know how to. I probably know. I probably have like a, a fair amount of practical knowledge that a lot of people don't grow up with. But uh, it's hard for me to not compare myself to my family because right. I have I have two two older brothers who uh, are very talented carpenters and a younger brother who uh, went to luthier school for woodworking and to build guitars. Um, and my dad is a jack of all trades. So growing up in a hardware store, I've picked up a fair amount of know-how when it comes to fixing things around the house and the like, but not nearly as much as, as, uh, as my siblings who are particularly adept. I uh, have, I, I like to think other, other strengths. So sometimes I wish that I could build a roof truss. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're like comparatively speaking, I'm worthless. But comparative, yeah. <laughs> comparatively speaking, to the rest of the world, I'm probably doing okay. <laughs> right. Well, that's a thing that that's another another thing that I'm very I'm very fortunate about having grown up in the family that I did and and being a part of uh, you know a building community is that I have you know it's it's knowledge that I think it's it's an afterthought to a lot of people and it's it's kind of glossed over, but it's an important thing to have people who know how to work with their hands and, and, and build things. There's a, there's a, there's a, uh, I don't know. It's a, I, I consistently want to get better at it. And it's something that I, in my downtime now that we're not doing as much, I focused more on because I think there is tremendous value in being able to craft something with your hands. You know, it's just like, just building a house is just like writing a song. It's just yep. a craft and it's an art form and it takes practice and, and, um, just being able to, to have a finished end product that is 
artistic and functional is is uh, very gratifying. So I'm constantly trying to trying to glean more from the company that I have right. and the family that I've grown up in. So you're uh, so I presume both your mother and father like work at the hardware store, and basically that's where kind of all the resources are are put in. Yep, yep. Yeah, my mom uh, actually it's, it's an interesting hardware store too because it's in uh, a lower income neighborhood mm-hmm. um, that is. Uh, predominantly minority and there's really two sides of the store there's well there's three sides there's there's general hardware and then there's like uh, the service department like the shop in the back which is where i like to spend most of my time when i when i'm working there and then there's finished hardware which is all decorative hardware for like all these you know million dollar homes that are built around so it's a really interesting demographic where you get like the people who are you know 70 and still doing handyman repairs around the house to pay their rent and then there's like the rich stuffy old white women who come in to drop you know 300 grand on cabinet hardware so it's a really interesting uh demographic and that's been the coolest part about growing up there for me is being able to like uh see the diversity in every specific demographic where you can't really draw a line anyway where some of the coolest people are the people who've worked with their hands for 60 years and still have to struggle and make ends meet and then there's people who are fabulously well-to-do however polite and enriched people so it's right. it's really it's an, it's, an, it's an interesting little microcosm of the world yeah it, it's, a, it's a total cross-section that's interesting um yeah, yeah i mean because totally. yeah it's 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 very symbolic like you said it's very you know it's a it's a good cross-reference and it's very symbolic of obviously what you experience in in the quote-unquote real world as well um oh yeah oh absolutely so you so you were so you're the the third of four children in the family uh, I am well. I'm. I'm. I have uh, two. I have an older brother who is from my dad's previous marriage. Who I, I never call him a half brother. Okay. Um, who is uh, quite a bit older than me. And I have an older sister who is who is married and has three lovely children. And then I have an older brother and a younger brother. So I'm I'm third of four with the people that I grew up living with. Sure. Uh, but I'm fourth of five if you include my eldest brother which i do which you do yeah yeah <clears throat> and so you're it's your and your parents are still together currently yes yeah and so it's your dad's second marriage and it's your mom's first correct yep nice nice well it's it sounds like a, a pretty awesome structure considering you know obviously you're introducing like sibling like you know a sibling that wasn't part of the original nucleus and you know everybody seems mm-hmm. to obviously so, so you had you had a pretty uh, pretty solid childhood as that's as far as that's concerned. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had a great childhood. Uh, um, so it's been I've been very lucky. My parents are, are great, and I get along well with all my siblings. Obviously, everyone has you know bumps in the road and everything, and everyone you know it takes a little while to figure out uh, how to how to always function with right. family members. But right. but we definitely you know the older we get, the better off I think we all are in our in the way we interact in the way that we. Uh, you know, place importance on each other and everyone having a role in everyone else's life. So it's, it's a great dynamic. That's awesome. Yeah. That's it, I always find, <clears throat> I always find when you hear stories like that, um, you know, to be, I mean, it's encouraging where you're just like, that's it. That's how it's kind of supposed to be, you know, like, of course, yeah. you know, there's a saying that obviously you don't choose your family, but you know, at the end of the day, you are related to these people and you need to find those common bonds. And sometimes they yeah. come, they come later in life, like you're talking about. And then you're just sure. like, Oh, these people are awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no, there's no, I mean, there's no like perfect formula at all. Everybody grows up differently and in different situations. And there's, you know, 
good and bad in each, but yeah, yeah you're right. Definitely like growing up and, and understanding that these people are your family and, and finding, you know, it, it's easy to get caught up in little tiffs when it's blood related, but uh, you get to a point where you realize that the important thing is that you love these people and that you value their place in your life. Right, right, right. Yeah. Rather than like holding these, you know, 10 to 15 year grudges that will just, you know, eat, eat both, right. both parties up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're sitting here. It's like June and you're like, where has the time gone? And everybody's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I got to like accomplish all these other things. Take a moment. Focus on the things that obviously for one matter to you, but for two, look back, be like, what have I done well? What have I done not so well? And maybe I can, you know, ask some friends and family for some help. But where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better, therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool at your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally. And I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life and be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and entirely suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and then boom, you're done. It's great. And then if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch it at no additional cost. So take a moment, reflect on the things you've done, reflect on the things you want to do, and visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Ray. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. Absolutely. And so, so as you, as you were, you know, your formative years started to happen, like junior high, junior high and high school, um, did you know, what kind of kid did you find yourself? Cause obviously from this sort of what we were alluding to earlier in regards to, you know, preconceived notions, you strike me as obviously a very, uh, sensitive artistic guy. <laughs> would, would, <laughs> would, would that be the, the label that you would put yourself on, uh, as far as like you know, uh, yeah. high school and stuff is concerned? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
it's hard to look back at like seventh grade me. But I, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I've always, I've always, I've always, I've always been fairly malleable, and I've always got along with different people. And I think part of it's I've always had uh, no like strong vested interest in only one thing, but I've always liked a lot of different things. So it's made it easy to get along with people. Uh-huh. Um, whether that be like you know loving sports, but then also loving punk rock or whatever else. So, but I've always been more of a I guess a creative type of always mm-hmm. enjoyed writing and enjoyed music and, and art as a whole. So, and I've always been a little sensitive, I guess. <laughs> when did, uh, when did, uh, music start to play a part of your life? Like was, uh, did your parents grow up with anything and start to expose you or was it older siblings? Uh, well, I mean, going as far back as I can, my dad's record collection and my dad plays guitar and sings. Uh, so I've always, I grew up, you know, listening to him playing Neil Young and, and Bob Dylan. And I've, you know, mm-hmm. always been the kid. I was always the kid who ravaged his record collection and made him really nervous about how I was treating his old vinyl. That makes me nervous just hearing about it too. Cause yeah. I'm just, oh, yeah. oh. I, my, my, my two and a half year old, I, I've taught him how to play. Yeah. I, I've taught him how to play records, but he can only do that when daddy's around. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Exactly. No, that was uh, was definitely my dad. It was like a weird uh, push pull for him, where I think he really loved that I was getting into the music that he loved and like finding something in like Neil Young and Jackson Brown. But also, he was constantly on edge about me, you know, dog earing his (laughs) his and and scratching him if I put him on incorrectly. It was it was an interesting push pull on my father's face when I he'd come home and I was picking through all his records but I think now he's he's pleased that I did so <clears throat> so then when did when did you start to develop your own tastes as far as uh as far as that stuff's concerned I guess 13 or 14 is when I first I think got into the uh artists that had a profound personal impact on who I am and, and where I was headed and that was a lot of from uh, I spent a lot from a good friend of mine at the time and his older brother so he was the first kid that I knew that had uh, CD burning capabilities. So he would ravage his older brother's CD collection for like Howler music and Small Round Bike and then like Modest Mouse and stuff. So he'd burn me CDs and bring them to school and give them to me. And I remember a number of occasions where I listened and was like, I don't get this, man. And then on third or fourth listen, I was like, holy shit. And the Howler music was a big one. Um, yeah. Planes of Sacred Stars and bands like that. And that's when I like got into punk and the subculture and, and started to really immerse myself in, in that world. I love, I love all those, those, those touch points that you're talking about. Cause like, obviously small bomb bike from your home state and then, you know, plays, yeah. plays with sacred for stars, obviously a Midwest band. And like, it's just cool that the stuff that you gravitated towards was the stuff that geographically made sense unintentionally, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> no, absolutely. It was, but it was always something that you find common ground. And even if you don't understand it completely at the time, but like, I liked a lot of music that was about uh, the cold and about drinking with with friends. Um, yeah. So so yeah, it was definitely all those bands have a definite Midwestern tinge to to what they do. And Smaller Bike was it was a huge one for me. Yeah. Um, and I think I did. I think I did find more in Small Run Bike than I did perhaps other bands in a similar vein because I could not only uh, compare my own experiences to theirs, but I could, you know, I could say, oh, I'm from Michigan, you know. And and people from Michigan are uh, in, intensely proud of where they're from for one reason or another. Mostly, I think because our shape, our state is shaped funny. But right, right, right. Um, it's the it's the mid, but yeah, right? that's that's 
Yeah, it's a mitten. It's a mitten. It's it's so many different things. It's fine. There's, I don't think there's other than Texas. There's probably no state that has more like stupid T-shirt knockoffs. Like everywhere you go, you see like it's like a gun or like a hand holding a gun or like a bunny rabbit jumping over something. Or, yeah, there's so many different things, and I feel like every two weeks there's somebody else printing gilded <laughs> T-shirts with like a, a state of Michigan being something else. <laughs> right, kinda, right. Kind of right. kind of ridiculous. America's high five was the first one that I really oh, remember. Wow. And it was a, a friend of ours who actually <laughs> put out a recruiter. He owns a couple bars and a venue in town. He's a really great guy. He started printing America's High Five shirts, and then they were everywhere. And they were also everywhere in my household because my oldest brother is one of his best friends. So that was that was his go-to birthday gift was just get a T-shirt from Jeff with the state of Michigan on it and give it to his sibling, which is pretty funny. So I think everyone in my family has a Michigan America's High Five shirt, but I don't know that anyone's ever worn one. That's it, that's so amazing because I, I, it's funny because it, you, you mentioning that it didn't really occur to me, but yeah, that's totally true as far as like the the whole state pride. Because obviously you have people that have pride about you know certain cities or whatever, but it's like yeah. the state as a whole. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I think you're correct. They, you guys fall right behind Texas. <laughs> it's, it's totally true. And I have a lot of friends uh, that like go on, go to Michigan on tour, and then come back and be like, everyone has a tattoo. Like everyone has a Michigan tattoo. Like, yeah, I know a ton of people. And it's, it's partly. I really think it's partly because it's a tattooable state. Right. And it's also because I think, you know, like Michigan has very famously fallen on hard times, and I think people take a lot of pride in the character of the state and the people's abilities to really pick themselves up. So it's not not purely a novelty act. But, right, right. Um, it definitely comes into play. Yeah, I know that. That's interesting. You you played sports and like, did you? Uh, I mean, what sports did you gravitate towards? Like in high school, did you actually play on teams and stuff like that? Uh, I played I played soccer for a long, long time into high school. Uh-huh. Um, when I kind of decided that I uh, was more interested in the arts and, and opted for for theater and whatever extracurricular activity I could take part in. But sure, um, I've I've loved I've loved sports since I was since I was a very, a very little boy mm-hmm. and, uh, still to this day, hockey is, hockey is the, it takes up the bulk of my, of my thought process, which my bandmates teach me about a lot and my <laughs> girlfriend. So everyone has to listen to me talk about ice hockey, which is, I guess, kind of silly because it's a children's game. And it's probably something also that comes into being from a, a border state. Of course. A cold state. Right. Yeah. So like, I definitely, you know, you grow up, you grow up skating in your backyard in the winter and, your friends play hockey and pond hockey and, and it's, uh, it's, it's like, it's the, it's the punk of professional athletics. Right. I think in a lot of ways, because it's the underdog and not a lot of people in the States actually pay attention as compared to, you know, the other three major sports. So there's definitely like the, Oh, you like football? Well, I'm a hockey fan kind of thing that goes into it. <laughs> no, that's, that's totally true. But yeah, no, I, I see everything you're talking about where it's like, well, it's, it's the environment I was surrounded by and I totally identified right. with that. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And so did you, uh, when you're doing, so you did theater, like you're actually, you know, participating in like plays or was it musicals or did you find yourself wanting to do one more than the other? Uh, I did more plays than I did musicals in high school. I actually didn't do a musical until I was a junior in high school Mm -hmm. um, because I'm not a terribly confident singer, which is kind of funny to look back on. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Given given how I've occupied my time for the better part of the last decade and sort of singing in front of a group of people, but... Um, I started doing theater when I got to high school. Um, I think just because I wanted to, like, I wanted to, I was falling in love with the arts and I wanted to immerse myself in whatever way that I could. And that was probably the thing that I loved the most about 
high school was performing and being in that in that weirdo community, yeah. the theater community. Um, but I did I did plays and I did musicals and I there's uh, a public speak like competitive public speaking culture in Vix that's uh, oh yeah half dramatic and half public address and I did I did that all four years of high school so I I competed. I told children's stories for a competition for four years in high school, which was great. So. Interesting. So that was—I'm not familiar. So that obviously it's not the debate team, but it's you have a narrative and you uh, are supposed to get it across as creatively as possible. Yeah, it's well. There's there's it's it's the the blanket competition. It's forensics, uh, not like CSI forensics, obviously. Right, right. But there's <laughs> right. there's there's two there's two like overarching categories. There's public address events and then there's dramatic interpretation events. Um, and there's subcategories. Like in public address, some of them are rehearsed speeches, memorized speeches, and some of them are extemporaneous and impromptu speaking, where you're like given a debate topic and then you have five minutes to present an improvised three-part essay, essentially, on a topic. So that's super intense. But I did uh, dramatic interpretation. So there's like right. poetry where you recite a poem or a collection of poems dramatically within a time frame with certain rules and regulations. I did. All four years I did storytelling, which alternates every year between like folk tales and legends and children's stories. And it's memorized and it's five to eight minutes and the emphasis on characterization and creating distinct physical and vocal uh, characteristics for people in the story. So it's a lot. It's super goofy and but also super 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 competitive so it's funny like if you were an outsider to watch one of these competitions and be like oh this is goofy and you're telling a kid's story right but it gets really really cutthroat it's like anything and it's like it's like football there's a lot of schools in the state of michigan that take forensics very seriously it's the cool thing to do rather than like be a cheerleader be a football player and right so right, it, gets, right. It, it got real it wasn't just all fun and games it was super well anytime yeah. i was never very prepared like other people because i never am prepared for anything right. as evidenced by me missing your interview earlier <laughs> yeah no i it's funny because the, i the the anytime you introduce a competition into anything like i rem, i mean my mom was a high school english teacher and she did this okay. she did this thing called kiwanis bowl which is basically just like trivia um so it's sure. like you know two one team versus another team and i remember going to a few events with her and being like you know, at the time I was like maybe nine or ten, and being like, "Dude, this shit is real. Like people are <laughs> people are pissed, and they're ready to go at each other." And it was oh, like, yeah. and you totally. and you were just like, "This is trivia, right? Like we're just talking about trivia." But it's like, no, it's you introduce that. It doesn't matter what you're talking about if it's competitive and there's a sense of pride about it. It's gonna yep. be cut. It's gonna be cutthroat. <laughs> Oh, absolutely, so true. <laughs> but the uh, is, what was your what was your favorite play that you uh, you did in in high school or or even junior high? Oh my my senior year we did for our, for our fall musical we did Peter Pan. Oh, and that's awesome! It, it was a lot of fun. Like every role that I ever had was the the wacky bit character who spoke in a funny voice and had a fake mustache or a fat <laughs> suit. So, um. My best friend was was who is a phenomenally talented actor was Captain Hook and I was uh, I was me is her handman so yeah. I got to have none of the pressure and all of the jokes so it was a lot of fun we also did some serious plays that were a lot of fun we did Flowers for Algernon and then it was a pretty interesting experience and we did a Neil Simon play called Fools that's pretty hysterical so that was a lot of fun and another instance in which I got to be 
be on stage goofball and then get reprimanded by our director for milking jokes for two. <laughs> yeah, be like, hey, the focal point isn't you. We, we... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's one of those things where you're performing, you know, four nights in a row, and if you get a rise out of people the first night of a certain joke, your your first reaction, especially when you're like 17, is like, oh man, they laughed when I did it that hard. Wait till I do it tomorrow night. Yeah. You're and, like, dude, uh, I, I can't wait. To... Always, it doesn't always work that way. I could just see you going home and just be like, dude, this is gonna kill tomorrow night. I, I'm gonna. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. This is what I'm gonna. Do. There, no, there was one time, and I still, I still, like, a couple of my friends that I'm still really close with give me shit about it. But there's one in that, you know, Simon play fools. I was the the villain, and I was like this Russian guy, and I threw. I was trying to court this young lady, and I like throw a rock to to wake her up, and somebody like use the shattered glass sound effect and then I turn and act like like make a big oops face to the crowd. And the first night we did it, everyone laughed so hard and then the next night we did it or the next week we did it. This is for this is for competition also. I did the same reaction and nobody laughed. But I was so determined to get that laugh that I just held that pose for like a good four seconds, which is an eternity when you're performing <laughs> a forty five minute one act play. Right. And uh, and no one not a single person laughed it was funny one night and then it was just a complete disaster and then <laughs> I still, I, whenever that play comes up that's like the first story like remember remember when you when you stared at the crowd for five seconds like complete dumbass and nobody laughed like yeah thanks i do yeah you're like yep of course that's forever implanted <laughs> yeah and i still get to have that like almost every night on tour when i make a really bad joke right right <laughs> Yeah, you, so I, I still get to fall flat on my face in front of a crowd of people. Right, it's perfect. It's perfect. Be like, oh, this is gonna kill. Nope, nope. No one has any idea what I'm talking about, or mm-hmm. or or I mumbled that. Whoops. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's worse now because when I make that joke and nobody laughs, then everyone just gets to look at my four bandmates all shake their head, all the two the guitars or whatever. Yeah, they're like, oh man, we should we should leave. Pretty much zero space for Jordan to speak in between songs. <laughs> exactly. That's that's the conversation we have before every tour. Like, how can we eliminate all the speaking the speaking parts? Eliminate Dude. all unnecessary Jordan banding. Which I'm all for yeah, because yeah. I just feel like I have to fill the space. Yes, and that's when I that's when things get ugly. I, I dude, I empathize with you completely because that that was I, I I sang in all the bands that I played in, yeah. and I, I filled yeah. I filled the same exact role, and it, it basically it got towards the end of us playing together where our guitar they they would just literally start a song in the middle of a sentence and it it was like i just had to laugh because i was like okay i get it but then at the same time i was like hey that's kind of rude too yeah yeah, i've had the same experience there's always that for like right when it happens i'm like really and then afterwards i'm like okay i get it (laughs) totally like Like if i had a guitar and i was talking i would do the same thing to myself right i can't have my feelings hurt um so so the because i mean you alluded to this earlier but the you know the idea that you obviously didn't have these sort of like uh, you know musical i want to play in band aspirations like so did you you know did or did you have the desire but you're just like well literally i can't play anything so what am i going to do i think i always i always wanted to from the time that i like fell in love with you know, this subculture and like saw what music could mean to me. I think I wanted that to a degree, but I never thought it was an attainable goal because I didn't have the ability to do it myself. Right. I never had the drive or ambition to, to learn how to play an instrument. So I guess I was always kind of waiting for that opportunity to fall in my lap or hoping it would. And then uh, somehow, somehow I did. And 
10, almost 10 years later and right. uh, I'm talking to you, you know, it's crazy. It's, it's never something I expected. And it's, like I said, it wasn't something I thought was attainable. It was always kind of in the back of my head as a, right. as an interest in a, in a, in a, what I thought was a pipe dream. And then you meet the right people and things just kind of start to fall that way. And then all of a sudden all this time has elapsed and I've been to, X number of countries and played for however many people and met all these bands that I idolized growing up and it's pretty it's pretty nuts if I like actually stop and think about it. Right, right. So the, I guess the best way to describe it is like the desire was there, but you clearly had no resources to put that together. Right. <laughs> so right, exactly. But, but for all for all intent and purposes, La Dispute is your first actual band. Like you never played a show. Yeah. That's that's stupid, dude. That makes me mad. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta have a fucking shitty band but you well just... i had like i played like one show i played one show with yeah. some friends like years and years ago um when i was like 15 and that somehow spiraled into this because we played with it was like the only show i ever played and there was a joke band mm-hmm. and we played with my cousin's band and they I don't know, like, after that, it was just kind of like, he was like, yeah, we should come, like, we should, like, I don't know, cover and have the driving song or whatever, and then we did that, and decided we tried writing a song, and then, again, fast forward almost 10 years, it's like, holy yeah. shit, that happened. <laughs> right, right, right. So, I mean, as all as all good things, in my opinion, it's, you know, it's all, it's a matter of timing and total happenstance, where it's just like, oh, wow, yeah. this all kind of came together, and, you know, because, right, totally. because because of it, it obviously feels organic, and people people are attracted to that not only that narrative but that feeling. That's just you can't you cannot fake that feeling. Agreed completely. Yeah. It's it's funny how often uh, I'm sure I'm sure you've been asked in the past by people like, "Hey, I want to do this for a living. Do you have any advice?" And like obviously you can say. Um, you know, play as many shows as possible and make friends and, and network and, and see what happens and just be passionate about it. But really like so much of it is just the right place at the right time and the right people. It's it's really hard to predict and it's I think pretty special when it happens organically and it's fun for me to like step back and consider all these different moments in time since we started playing music and how things have developed. It's it's pretty baffling. It's never not shocking to me yeah. and never not incredibly humbling, but it's always, it's, it's cool. It's super cool. Right. Well, and I, I think it's, I think it's interesting too, because the way, the way that you guys have obviously uh, cycled as a band, you've always, uh, you've always struck me as you, you want to be a band and you want to be active on tour and you want to take those opportunities, but then you always come back to the, you know, the roots that obviously existed before, you know, this, before La Dispute was obviously as serious as it is now. So yeah. I, th- I think, it, it, I think because of that, it gives you the perspective to be able to be like, oh, wow. like you could still be excited about it as opposed to, well, here, here we are. Here's another album cycle, another 700 shows these next two and a half years, right. you know? Totally. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That's a, that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah. And so the, uh, you yourself, when did you notice, like, I mean, it could be, you know, it can be an individual moment or it can be, uh, you know, sort of a collective feeling, but you know, when did you start to feel that what you guys were doing was resonating? 
Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. As far as like, oh, wow, whether it was like the, you know, your first tour where you had like five people in front of you singing along or whether it was like a more grandiose moment of like, wow, this is weird that we're playing the yeah. show or whatever. From the first time we ever played a show, we played at this little arts cooperative uh, in our hometown that is no longer uh, a thing, although it's trying to be a thing. They got kicked out by their, their landlord pretty recently, um, but we played and it was a lot of a lot of friends, you know, it was this is our first show and you're most of you are still in high school. Um a lot of people showed up and you know, I don't know that we ever at that point in time thought we were gonna ever play another show again. And we just had people come up and be like, you know what, I actually enjoyed that and it was actually like a I don't know, something going on and from that moment it's just been a series of those kind of moments where like every time we play a show it's another uh, small pleasant surprise where we're like, man, people people gravitate towards this. I mean, it's never been something that we've played because of that. It's always, you know, we always, in, first and foremost, enjoyed creating something together and that's never left. But every time you play a show, you're reminded that you don't exist in a bubble and that there are people who connect to what you do, um, whether it's on a, like a deeply personal emotional level or purely on an aesthetic level, purely sonic, you know? Um, so I don't know. It's, it's every time I, every time I stop and think about any moment of time since we've been hmm. playing, it's that moment again. It's like, Oh man, like, yeah, this is weird. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy and humbling and really bizarre, but it's something that I'm never not, incredibly thankful and, and grateful for yeah 
the uh, along those same lines the you know like you were saying obviously people emotionally connecting with what you're doing you know i mean referencing a song that obviously is like you know part of your will 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 live will live on after the band has died like a song like king park that yeah. people you know as you guys were crafting that song because obviously being the singer you're going to be the person that not only is going to be the most approachable but sure. but will obviously is is the direct inspiration behind the lyrical content were you prepared at the sort of uh interactions that you were going to get <laughs> i mean i'm sure you weren't prepared but the you know just just that concept of like okay i put this out here this is a very you know emotionally loaded song and people yeah. are people are going to respond to it in you know however they're going to respond to it but then the unintentional feedback that you're going to get of people coming to you being like either i'm looking for a solution or i'm looking for yeah. a shoulder to cry on like you know how how's that had to like sit with you because i know that's a that's a it's a weight that no no one considers because it's hard to consider no no not at all yeah it completely catches you off guard and it's when i when i think about how off guard i am still caught by that every time we go on tour i feel stupid because like of course truly you know bear the contents of her soul to be incredibly cliche or choose to approach a really dramatic and powerful story like the one that uh became king park um you do you do invite that connection um and it's yeah like it's never an intentional thing and it's never something that you expect um I don't, and I don't think it's ever something you get used to. I talked to Kyle from Pianos Become a Peace at length about this because of the content of their last record and how how personal that is to him and how connected that is to his family and his experience and the amount of people that have undergone a similar incidents and want to talk to him like he has a solution. I think the important thing is understanding that people aren't looking for a solution. People are interested in commonality and people are appreciative that you've put it into the public forum, I guess, or articulated it for them when they couldn't. I don't, I, I still don't know what to say. It's, I'm very, like I said earlier, like we've always made music because we love to make music together and everything else is kind of extra. Um, but it's, it's really inspiring and again, humbling to see that as a, a positive force in a stranger's life, particularly when, they've been going through something difficult and found solace in something that I've said or a chord that's been played to accompany what I've said or whatever. It's a really, it's a really powerful thing, especially when I, you know, I had and still have those artists for me. The music is so, has a capability to be so cathartic and, and therapeutic in a strange way. Um, and I think it is mostly in that it creates this support structure. Yeah. Um, and I, I also find it really interesting, too, because, you know, a lot of this is a lot of when you're creating art, a lot of it is a one way relationship. You know, you're you, yeah. you you yourself are consuming said piece of art. And then at that point, you you place so many things upon the person who is creating it. <laughs> and so I'm sure because basically, yeah. basically, I'm sure a lot of people who are you know either fans or not fans of your band look at you and are like wow you're you're just a broken individual like you, you, right. you know, you're you're this like emotionally frazzled uh you can barely keep it together person um when you know when in actuality more often than not you're not 
<laughs> you know? Yeah, right. And so those expectations, I'm sure it's weird when a person comes up to you and is like, is is expecting one thing out of you and then, you know, you're busting jokes on them and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, totally. No, it's an interesting, I think it's often discussed in regards to, to art in general, but it really uh, provides a platform for discussions of all aspects of human life, be them be them good or bad or, or tragic or joyous or whatever else. Um, and everybody has, everybody's comprised of all of those things. Um, but yeah, I do, I do, I do think it's, it's interesting sometimes when people are like, I'm going through this. And like, I want to know how you got through everything that you got through, because clearly there's a degree of emotional scarring that goes into the music that we've made. But there's two things to consider, you know, it's like, well, A, no. I, well, I think I think it is. There's a certain level of poignancy, and you know, a I'm not an emotional wreck constantly, but I am sometimes, you know, and it's an ongoing process. And I think that's always what I fall back on when I'm talking to people. It's like you might you might never be okay. I, I might not be all okay now, but it's not a it's not there's not. There's not one way or the other, you know, you're not just okay or, or really great. You know, it's everyone. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know what to say. As cliche as it is, the best way to describe it, in my opinion, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's the journey, not the destination. It's like, if you're not, totally. if, if you're not involved in the process of whatever you are looking to get, you're, you're, you're not getting the experience. You're not getting anything meaningful from it. So it's the same, right, yeah, totally. it's the same interaction with art. It's like, you know, you, there, there's a million ways to get to that point. It's like, it's just about honestly expressing yourself. And yeah, that, sure. that's, that, yeah, like you said, that's the best advice that you can, you can give to somebody. Absolutely. And then, you know, the older I get, the more I realize that it's like, you know, everyone, you want us, everyone wants a solution. And, and if you're going through a problem that is, that is especially difficult for you and that feels you know, crippling and that makes you, you know, feel like not waking up in the morning. Um, sometimes the solution isn't an equal and opposite reaction. It's not like all of a sudden you're just great. It's sometimes it's, you know, deciding to, I don't know, you know, shovel the driveway. Right. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's, you know, making a cup of coffee or sometimes it's not, it's not always like, everything's better now it's like it's small victories all the time right right steps forward life, you know yeah were you were you raised with any sort of like a, a religious perspective or anything from that nature yeah i was i grew up in a uh, a pretty religious community west michigan is is um heavily populated by the the christian reformed protestant church mm -hmm. um so i grew up i grew up on the church i grew up going to the christian schools and my parents are, are religious not like you know i say that and i always have to give the caveat that they're not you know crazy evangelical conservative christians which i think is always where people jump to like they're very well reasoned yeah. And they're, yeah they're very well reasoned and intellectual in their beliefs and they're also very compassionate very caring and always have been and that's had a profound impact on me even if i don't align myself with their religious beliefs now as an adult i value the way i was brought up because you know it, this will be shocking for some people to hear but it taught me tolerance and it taught me acceptance and it taught me to love everyone and i think it's been I think it definitely had an impact on me. Even if I don't associate myself with religion now as an adult, I still am ha I'm happy that I grew up in a good, smart religious community rather than a crazy indoctrinated backwards 
Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it just, you know, and obviously not knowing that about you and just hearing the way that you talk, like you strike me as that because I have I have a similar upbringing. I mean, I, I myself still to this day, like have, um, you know, for lack of a better term, I consider myself Christian, um, sure. more, more so on the spiritual side than the religious side. But hearing yeah. pe- people that aren't that have that immediate gut reaction of just like, oh, if you have any of that in your head, you're the worst. Like and it, yeah, totally. it and it's like no, <laughs> not at all. You can yeah. ha- you can have these values that are instilled like that are inherently a very very good thing. You don't have to be turned off from that. And it's like yeah, there, right. you, you you definitely feel of especially within the independent music community, you 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 really feel a sort of either or. You're either you're either with it. Or oh against, yeah, totally. You're either with it or against it. And it's like well, it, there's there's also a lot of gray area, right? <laughs> Right, exactly. And it's so funny to me because it's like it's the one thing that you can't be, you know. It's right. like it's the <laughs> yeah, alternative yeah. culture preaches acceptance on all levels. It's like I don't care if you're, you know, a woman or, or a man or black, white or gay or straight or whatever. But then it's like if you're Christian, then like, whoa. Get out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's it's just so it's so it's so I don't know. That's crazy to me. And it makes zero sense. And I guess it's. That, well, that's a, that's the thing that is so shocking to me is I get where it comes from. I get that like right. Christianity publicized is Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell and like President George W. Bush and whatever else and this like conservative ideology that is so contrary to the actual thought behind it and the actual belief structure when practiced well and and well reasoned. Yeah, and, and and it's like everyone everyone picks the furthest extreme of religion and then encourages you not to do so with everything else, and that's what never that never made sense to me. It's like, why are we so like quick to be like, well, not every it's the one thing it's the one thing where we accept the extreme backwards. Yeah, no, no, it's it's very true. Yeah, that that, that was that was the main reason I asked is because just just hearing hearing your terminology and hearing your your uh, approach to things, I was like, oh, okay, like I I, yeah. I I have a feeling there's something at the core of that, which is awesome. It, something else that strikes me uh, interesting about your band as well, um, because uh, you know because you got I mean you guys have toured obviously and you guys have made yourself you know aware <laughs> as far as like you know being mm-hmm. out being out there. There's there's this there's that weird feeling of like okay like at any point. Lot of dispute could break up, and every single band member. No one would know. Well, yeah, for sure, no one, <laughs> no one would know. But then there's that feeling that you know each individual member would go on being creative in some capacity, um, and it's like it's yeah. just it's interesting to have that sort of like that kinetic energy where it's like, what's happening with Lot of dispute? Like, are they gone? Are they dead? What's happening? And like, because it's I mean, it, it seems to me like that that kind of has always existed without. You know, in the context of your band, where it's been like, if you're not immediately in front of everybody's face, they're just like, oh, they like, man, they must be gone now. Like, have you have you mm-hmm. noticed, have you noticed that being in, you know input on you guys? Yeah, totally. It, it, it's funny that uh, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing where you. I mean, we've obviously not shied completely away from the public eye given the profession we've all chosen, um, but I think there is a certain amount of distance we've always wanted to keep with uh, just to, I mean, there's so little, there's so much transparency everywhere nowadays. It's nice to step back from that and to combat the whole like perceived celebrity when, when possible. But um, going back to what you said about like us always doing something, I think that it's like an interesting statement about all of us individually, but then how, this band has kind of altered our perspective over time and kind of like ingrained this, this need to be 
doing something in some capacity, even when we're not actually doing something in some capacity, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, I, I, I really, I always like that perspective because you do, you know, you, you can look at whatever, you can look at a million bands that exist within the context of independent music and you can totally point, yeah. you can totally point to um, most, most of the members of any band and be like, if this were to go away tomorrow, they would, they would be, I mean, screwed from like not only a short term, but like a long term perspective where it's like, do like their because their identity is com- is completely their identity and their yeah. profession is completely tied up into this thing. They've got no, quote unquote, extracurricular activities like it, <laughs> and it's yeah. I think that's that, that partly that perception comes from always putting yourself in the public eye. And yeah. You, the more you the more you choose to associate yourself uh, in a greater community with one specific thing, the more people assume that about who you are and what you do. And this isn't, I mean, this, I don't, I, I think we all, I mean, I know that we all love Wise View and what, it, what it's been to us and what it will continue to be, hopefully, for the next while. But it's definitely not the be all end all. It's definitely not the thing that we want to be our only legacy as individuals going forward and you know you have other things that you want to do and other ways in which you want to be creative and other things that are important to you that don't even involve other people yeah outside of your own specific niche and your own family and friends it's funny because you you guys you know amongst some of your peers as well it totally reminds me of um there's this uh, this that record label from here in california called ebullition records they release like you know yafet koto and a bunch of other great bands Uh but the the bands that all align themselves with that sort of ebullition culture you did feel like there was you know not only each band member had their own kind of individual voice and sort of like we were saying extracurricular activity but then there was that deliberate of like we're playing together for a reason and this this isn't just this isn't you know because we're in a band like this is there's a reason behind this and it's like i think that uh, to me that's the that's the trend that i want to see continue happening with an independent music because you know for for a while for a while it was definitely like oh we're playing in a band to play in a band but now like they're if you feel like there's more of a a tendency to be like no this this kind of has to come out of us yeah, totally. Absolutely. And that's, I think, for us, that's a little bit product of environment. Um, the way that we grew up and the way that we learned to be creative and learned to be in a band was being a part of a, a network of like-minded people in playing basements and being a part of like the DIY culture in the Midwest. And um, there is like a weird, um, sometimes, uh, I don't know, overstated, but like uh, a very prevalent desire to create and to uh, exist within um, a culture that values more than what you're given on the surface from every other so-called claim to purpose and all the directions that we're pushed in in our culture nowadays, technology and, and you know, the almighty dollar and everything. I don't know. It's just like you... You, I don't, you learn it, it's, it's almost it feels like a, a will to survive a means to survive and um, I think we still in a lot of ways feel that way when we make music together it's so hard to still harness that feeling when there's so much that comes in between that from you know business to you know finances right. and yeah it's it's tough to keep that balance which is awesome it's that you really, it's really hard it's really really hard um, but it's not impossible and I think it's far too easy to say it's really hard and then accept the easy route 
but there is a way that you can do it. And, and even like when we first started to exist outside of that very specific quick Midwest basement show DIY culture, there was a lot of backlash from people that we knew, but, um, we, I think we still, uh, maintained control of what we did creatively and still do to this day. And I think that the more time passes, the more resources that bands have to really keep everything close to their chest and, and work with friends and, and make something function that way without relinquishing control too much to someone who has a external concern for their own well-being. Yeah, for sure. The last thing I want to hit on before I let you go um, was yeah. the, um, you know, because obviously as as every band ebbs and flows, um, each member kind of, you know, goes through their own like sort of highs and lows as far as like, oh man, this is like the best part ever versus like, oh my gosh, like I hate doing this. <laughs> I, hate, yeah. I, hate, I hate being in, in, in a band for whatever capacity. Um, you know, what sort of aspect do you find yourself kind of hitting the, the lows, whether it's like tour, whether it's recording, like, you know, what sort of, what, what are the challenges that you notice kind of being themes throughout the, uh, the time that you spent in the band? It's an interesting time to be asked that question, given that we're in kind of a state of flux with, uh, everyone living in different places now and then this like weird transitional phase from doing everything full time to having a home life. But that's really, I think that's where the, the I mean, it's overstated, it's overplayed, I'm sure to say it, but the, the difficult thing is always, I don't know, stress of the road and being apart mm-hmm. from the people you love and, and how that, uh, complicates a healthy home life. So that's definitely, I mean, it, it, which is not to say we don't have a lot of fun on tour, but still, yeah, I still I think we all still feel like we're getting in the van and driving to Bloomington, Illinois to play a basement show every time we get on in the van to go on tour. Because right. um, we're still uh, five friends who have a lot of fun goofing off t- together um, in between playing shows and being serious for an hour every day. Um, but that's 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 the hard part. I mean, it's easy to to write and to exist in that that world and and work towards a product, but then it's being in a different place every night and being away from the small comforts that the older you get, the more you value. So I, I think that's, I don't know, but there's nothing that I don't, there's nothing that I don't adore and cherish. There's nothing that I don't have a blast doing anymore, you know, and right. I hope that's never the case. Granted, I don't see myself doing this when I'm like Mick Jagger age. No, yeah. And I have no desire to, but for the time being, we're still young and we're still passionate about it and <laughs> still making it work and still getting along, which is, Right. Yeah, I guess a miracle because most bands probably don't. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 not re- most bands, but a lot of bands don't. It's remarkable. It's 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 very hard. It's funny too because the when everybody's talking about the longevity of their band, they always reference the Rolling Stones. Always, like yeah. it's like nine, <laughs> t- nine times out of ten, you're just like, all right, who's the old rocker I could pull out of my head? Yeah, yeah, Rolling Stones. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't like I can't like I can't like say like like somebody who's playing like Kuwait and Casino, which is the bulk of the people that age. Like, yeah, no, it's totally or true. like like. Yeah, like the Doobie Brothers. I kind of love the Doobie Brothers, but it really it's more impactful across the board if I reference, you know, somebody who plays a Super Bowl halftime show. Right, right. <laughs> no, no, for sure. Well, that's, for sure. that's totally true. That's really funny. Yeah. I'm going to pay attention to that because it's not the first time that I've made that reference. I know. We should, yeah, we should think of a, I'm trying to think of who within independent music, like, I mean, you know, you could reference like, uh, you know, Hot Water Music or something like that or, uh, uh, you know, right. uh, you know, Ian McKay, where it's like, okay, he's done, you know, he's obviously done well for himself over time to create his his, uh, you know, yeah. n- niche of the world. So yeah, we'll we'll think of a better one. <laughs>
Yeah, I, I'll go preliminary. Uh, the Stooges. We'll go Stooges. Okay, good. That, yeah, that yeah. exists. That's that's proto subculture. Right? Very true. Very true. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Well, I I really appreciate you hanging out. And I'm glad we could get uh, get heady on a lot of stuff because I know you're uh, you're a heady, yeah, you're, sure, you're a heady guy and you could uh, you can handle these conversations. <laughs> this was this was a lot of fun. This is one of the most uh, most fun times I've had talking on the phone, but I'm doing an interview. So thanks for oh, oh, it. Oh wow, most most fun on the phone ever. I like. I don't really like talking on the phone, so this has been a good time. I'm not, <laughs> I haven't grown tired of the conversation. It was a very unconventional interview, which I appreciate because I'm sure you hear it all the time. But it's oh, uh, yeah. pretty taxing talking about what my like festival necessities are. Like, <laughs> where did we get our band name? I love I love the. I love the list. That's why I'm always so hesitant to be like, you know, name a moment. But then it's like, yeah. I, but then I reference. I'm like, okay, I'm not asking them for their top five, you know, van van. No, picks. no, and it's, and it's all it's all in context too. Like if it right. was like, yeah. So no, this is great, man. Yeah, no, no, I, I appreciate it. So there you go. There was Jordan, great guy. Just it was really interesting to hear him talk about acting and how much he enjoyed that. And I was like, oh, I get that. I get kind of why you do what you do on stage. It makes me happy when I hear those nuggets of interest that people had in their, earlier in their lives that influence what they do now. So great guy. Check out Lot of Speed's new record, Rooms of the House. Really, really good. Shout out to Tom Richfield, the editor. Always does a good job. Actually, not good. Amazing. I wish I could kiss his hand every day because he does such a good job and i don't know if people in the uk do that but here in america we kiss people's hands actually not really we don't even do that but regardless i just want to express my undying love for him and the help that he gives to the show visit propertyofzack.com visit 100wordspodcast.com and on the show next week is joe marrow from the early november how about diversity i mean one week you're gonna get a hardcore band the next week you're gonna get an artist the next week, you're going to get a dude who runs an independent business. Like, just, I just get excited about sharing this stuff with you. So, until next week, be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high-five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. 
Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings.